This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure today of introducing two individuals, both Vicente Escriva and Deanne Caldini. Hopefully I said both of your last names correctly. I'm sometimes uh, not too good with the last names, but I have the pleasure of introducing both of you today and was wondering if you could introduce each other, but also share a little bit about your background and who you are, just so the audience has a reference for context of our conversation today. Deanne, do you want to go first? Sure. Thank you, Tracy Shirashi. Am I pronouncing your last name? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, for uh, having Vicente and I on your podcast. Uh, very exciting to be able to share what we're doing. So um, I graduated from Fordham University studying philosophy. So everything that I'm sort of doing is being driven by my big picture philosophy on the world. And uh, having worked in uh, corporate America for many years uh, in the financial uh, banking real estate uh, sectors, um, later on, I did a stint in an, um, the nonprofit uh, area, working for an NGO uh, based uh, outside of the U.S. Um, and it kind of gave me a sense as to what's happening on both sides, right? Uh, it just hurt me to see that NGOs and nonprofits who create these amazing programs in communities to help uh, underserved uh, populations to have better opportunities are always begging for money. <laughs> and that to me was, you know, um, unfortunate, right? And then the others, the other side, they have the money, they're basically really going after their basic bottom line and then um, realizing they need to do a little on the social or environmental side. And that's when they begin to have uh, corporate responsibility divisions and other initiatives to look at the other side and try to do something. So in the end, I feel they're the ones who have, the, um, who have all the resources to do more. So that's why I decided when I met Vicente, who is very much involved in corporate social responsibility, doing meetups, that maybe there's a space for us to speak to enterprises, encourage them to be more socially and environmentally responsible and help them get there. And so Vicente, what do you do in terms of your background and how that connects, just like Deanne is mentioning? Uh, so I uh, went to SUNY Purchase, got a bachelor's degree in economics, realized, you know, particularly focused on developmental economics, realized American style capitalism really didn't make much sense. 
went into the Peace Corps, specifically aiming to go to a post-Soviet country to see what's the furthest thing I can get from American capitalism. <laughs> All right, former former communist. I'll I'll go with that. So I spent two years in so I spent two years in Kazakhstan, uh, talking to people about what it was like under that system. Uh, at the same time, I was doing organizational capacity building with a bunch of NGOs. Realized, just as Deanne was saying, that the the grant cycle and the threat of mission drift and all of that is just as problematic as the business side of things. Uh, I came back, did a master's of a new school in urban policy analysis. Uh, while I was there, I started encountering social enterprises and then corporate responsibility and kind of became fascinated with the idea of how do we approach this idea differently. Uh, and in the process of that, I uh, worked for Western Union's corporate responsibility department. Uh, that was my first foray into consulting. Uh, I took, took a little time, but since then I've spent the past five years uh, full-time as a consultant doing social enterprise and corporate responsibility work. Actually, it's, it's September, six years. <laughs> uh, and one of the tools that I discovered while I was in graduate school, uh, when they're still, when they're a lot younger and smaller than they are now, uh, was the idea of a B corporation uh, and B certification. And I've been using them as a tool to kind of help businesses understand how. Mm -hmm these non-financial metrics actually really make a difference to their business uh, since then. So, so I think with that full, full circle, it's, everybody comes full circle, right? But I think even more importantly, what you guys are highlighting is kind of the bridging the gap between let's say capitalism or the private sector and corporations. And to your point, like nonprofits or for listeners, NGOs are first to non-governmental organizations, right? And how can we kind of broker or bridge those two together? And one thing that you mentioned, Vicente, is B Corp. So let's talk a little bit about for those that aren't familiar with what is a B Corp or what is B certification and what does that mean or what have you seen it do for companies or organizations? And is it only for not like nonprofits or for profits, like who are we talking about right now as it relates to B Corp certification? So B Corps are purely for profit organizations. If you're a nonprofit, that's it's just falls into a completely different structure, uh, you know, in terms of the, the tax and what you're allowed to do. And, you know, in the UK, there's a kind of a middle ground, uh, but they still have a lot of restrictions on it. B Corps are strictly for-profit businesses. They just also believe in a much more long-term view and incorporate their other stakeholders besides just shareholders. So that means that they're taking consideration of the long-term effects they have on their employees, on the communities that they engage in, on their customers. Uh, so the process by uh, which you become a B Corporation is to become certified by the organization uh, B Labs. And that certification is very rigorous. Uh, it covers all, you know, as many aspects of your business as they can from 
you know, what are your regulations on, you know, what are your policies on toilet paper and the supplies that you have, you know, in your supply closet to defining your scope one and two emissions and the governance structure of your board of advisors or board of directors. So it's, it's very wide ranging, but because it is backed by a, an organization that does a third party review, it gives a lot of credibility. And when I, when I say credibility, it's started out as very small, but there were some well-known names. Ben and Jerry's has been a B corporation for a long time. Patagonia was one of the first B corporations. You know, businesses that when you think responsible business, their names are synonymous. Uh, so joining a group like that says to a consumer, to an investor, oh, these guys really take into consideration all aspects of their business. Uh, and the, the biggest benefit, even if you don't go for full certification of taking the time to use what they call the B impact assessment, their, their survey tool to gauge whether you fit into that group and, or, and warrant further evaluation is you're looking at your business from every angle. You know, there's a, the term, what, what gets measured gets managed. Mm -hmm. You start measuring things that you just didn't have time to consider as a small business before that you didn't know that you needed to be paying attention to, but make perfect sense. Or you're putting down more formally things that you know, you want to be good with your business about, you know, you know, you want to treat your employees, right. You know, you will typically give them, you know, the space they need to be a human being as well as an employee, but you might not formally have that written down anywhere. But having that written down and having it really codified and clarified gives your employees the knowledge that, okay, I am taking care of, this company values me. Uh, so there's a number of different benefits to it, but it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty far reaching certification. So I'd have to, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds uh, but right off the it bat. It sounds like both, so it's not just product companies, but also service based businesses can do this and it's not just public companies but is it also like private companies yes uh the majority of companies are actually smaller private companies so that's where it was easiest to start because if i have a if i'm coming up against uh fiduciary duty to my shareholders and a board of directors that's you know regulated by the SEC, that is a much more complicated picture than someone with an LLC who mm. says, I'm doing this, I get to, I have sole control of it. I am willing to go to the state and say that I am putting this into my charter and you make that decision. Hopefully you're checking in with your other stakeholders uh, in that process, but it's a much simpler process because of the governance aspects of it. Uh, Danone North America is one of the largest uh, B corporations, but Danone, the parent company, also wants to be B certified, but no one that big has ever done it before. It's so they're taking several years. I think the goal is 2030 for them to complete the certification uh. because it's so much more complex. You have so many different business units. Uh, so there are large ambitious companies that are going down this road, but there are fewer of them. 
the majority of them are smaller, you know, kind of startups, social enterprises, people who are trying to challenge the status quo. You know, Warby Parker was a B corporation, uh, Allbirds, you know, younger companies that they kind of say from the outset, oh, we really want to ingrain responsible business practices as part of our norm. This is just how we do business. This is how business should be done. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely encourage anyone who's a smaller business that wants to really make a commitment, particularly if you desire to scale, to uh, take a look at the certification and the incorporation process uh, to really help legally protect yourself in going after those social ambitions. Well, and it sounds like too, is something to think about as companies evolve and change. Like the ones that you've noted, even Patagonia or Ben and Jerry's in contrast to like Warby Parker, like what you've done is you've highlighted for, I think individuals listening that one, it's something that companies can look at at any stage at which they're evolving and changing. You also noted like in the case where a large company, their parent company is trying to become big, uh, be certified, but their regional office, it sounds like the regional location yeah. had an easier time. So there's ways to like get be certified, but it's something to be actively thinking about at all life cycles of a company, so to speak. Um, it's just easier if you think of it sooner rather than later, yes. because to your point, the corporate governance aspect, um, and especially as you become a public company, if that's your goal as a company if to move from the private to public, it will become more complicated, so to speak. Absolutely. And then something, sorry, go ahead, Deanne. Yeah, I just wanted to add an example of where not be, be certified has kind of hurt the company's mission to be more conscious and responsible, and that is Whole Foods. Uh, they had an opportunity to become be certified, uh, and they chose not to go in that direction, even though the CEO wanted to really instill that kind of, uh, you know, mindset uh, within the entire corp corporation. And when uh, Amazon came along to buy them out, they regretted not becoming decertified because they felt that all that they had worked on was now at risk of being let go. So just wanted to bring that up. Vicente, if you have anything to add to that, right? Yeah, I, and I believe uh, Mackie, the uh, founder of Whole Foods, stated publicly that he later regretted That's right. uh, not falling through with the certification. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, which I think is interesting to add, because I think when we think about share, shareholder or enterprise value, right, and trying to maximize that value, that's probably what Whole Foods was referring to is as they were in the process of acquisition, right, and they're trying to figure out what they're worth, essentially, right, because someone's buying them. He's probably also thinking retrospectively, what are some of the things I could have done differently to maximize shareholder value or maximize enterprise value in that acquisition is what I imagine. But I think an other aspect, and I'm going to like change this a little bit, is I think when it comes to something you brought up earlier, Vicente, about people, right, and employees, all of us are employees or our workers of some organization, especially during this pandemic time period, what we're looking for is greater purpose for our why, 
or what drives us. And we're reevaluating our values essentially at all levels, both individually within the family unit, the companies we work for, right? Like all of that is currently taking place. I think like doing something like this also adds to provide that greater purpose and provide that greater devotion or commitment to a why and a cause, right? So I think it's great that you also highlight there's an employee benefit to this, which is they also are stakeholders in the organization. Oftentimes we think of shareholders or we think external parties like customers or clients. Um, and we sometimes forget our own people, but they are the they are what makes the company. They are what creates the success. So if anything, being very people-centered and being really cognizant of, I think, values and what drives people. And a lot of the times what drives us is purpose, right? This helps provide that purpose for companies that may not otherwise think so. Right. And what had, what had attracted a lot of employees to Whole Foods initially because of their mission may have been a little bit compromised uh, when, when Amazon came along. So yes, exactly to your point. Uh, looking at the different stakeholders that become affected by your decisions. Now, this is something that has to be maintained and evaluated every year. Is that correct? Yeah, you need to, you need to recertify every year and they will do an audit of you every other year. Uh, if you, so there's also two pieces of it, you know, just to, just to make it a little bit more complicated. Uh, <laughs> So there's the certification where you're evaluated by B Labs and they grant you, you know, the standing as a B corporation. And then there's the actual benefit corporation law. And that is when you go to, depending on what state you're in, you go to the state and you change your articles of incorporation or whatever documents you form, use in the formation of your company and put what they call their uh, declaration of interdependence into your legal documents uh, stating that you have this greater social mission and that is recognized by the state. Uh, there's no real tax advantage except for in a couple of individual cities, not even on a state level. Uh, hopefully, eventually we'll get to a federal level where the IRS will grant some benefit and more and states will actually take on uh, mm -hmm. encouraging this movement, but there are just a couple of cities that do it so far. Uh, and if you get certified within two years, I believe it is, you uh, are obligated if it's in your state, not every state has the laws to also do the incorporation. Which I think is interesting because I know when I first heard about B Corps last year um, and I'd always seen it on like certain companies products like you would Method see it or some yeah, you'd see yeah. it, and so you'd look at it and you I was always curious about it at first I always thought it was a tax tax um, categorization similar to like S Corp or C Corp right and that was the first thing that my brain went to is oh the IRS added another like designation called B Corp. And I think to your point, it wasn't that they added another designation on, you know, what type of formation your company took, but that was just the name they gave it was B Corp. But it sounds like to your point that over time, though, 
it is possible states. And like you said, maybe hopefully the federal government one day will consider it as part of, you know, an evolution of maybe the tax structures or business structures. I, I hope so. Right now, yeah, it's, it's an add-on. So it sounds a little confusing because you're a B Corp and a C Corp or you're a B Corp LLC, uh, which if you're familiar with tax structures, just sounds a little- it Sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. But I think what the great part is, is um, what are you seeing in terms of like, cause I think I went to B labs and I mentioned to you guys, there was, it takes almost like a longer period of time to qualify right now because they're so inundated with the demand for um, their certification and the interest in B Corps. Um, is there a community or how is this being managed and how are individuals using this? Are they only using it for marketing purposes, for you know, communicating and PR to demonstrate to stakeholders that this is who they are and what they do? Or how else is it um, generating business or relationships or community around this? Well, there's a very strong internal network between B corporations. And part of certain companies' uh, procurement clauses will state that they will give priority to benefit corporations because you had that 30, third party assurance that this is a business that is responsible that you want to do business with. Uh, so there's the, the business to business aspect of it. The business to consumer aspect, I don't think they've done a great job with yet. Uh, I, you know, some people know what it is, like you said, a year ago, you noticed it and you thought of it as a tax structure. You know, it's in the public consciousness, it's not very well understood. Uh, and, you know, there are people like me who advocate and try and DM who try to advocate uh, and promote this concept and get it, get it out there. Uh, in different regions, they do have different networking groups for it. Uh, but it's not, it's not highly codified, uh, particularly if you're not already certified. Um, although my experience has been, if you reach out to someone from a B Corp, usually someone's willing to interact with you, talk with you, give you advice. You know, uh, it's been, it's been very welcoming because they all are proponents of more businesses doing this. You know, the idea is that eventually responsible business is just normalized. This is how you do business. Which I think uh, we're headed that direction yeah. as yeah. You know, there's a greater interest in, as you guys start, as we start this conversation, as there's a greater interest in philanthropy or corporate social responsibility or nonprofits or social enterprises or just in general, how the world is connected by people alone, right? Stakeholders, employees are one in the same, shareholders are one in the same, it's people, it's humanity, right? And so how can we all work to improve like our communities and our livelihoods and our society by all working together because exactly. I think we talked a little we've talked a little bit about like ESG mm -hmm. not to like mix up the subject matter or confuse more mm -hmm. people but I think as people are taking greater interest in what are these terms or what are the ter right. terminology and what does it mean um, mm -hmm. to your point hopefully there's more education around what all these things are and how they will work together as we evolve and change over time 
And uh, just to, to interweave that point a little bit better, ESG being environmental, social, and governance-based uh, evaluation or investing, depending what side you're coming at it from. <laughs> like I said, uh, not to complicate things further, yeah. right? Uh, but one of the one of the things about B corporations is if you go through that certification, you are you already have a third-party verification that your ESG standing is solid. Uh, whereas with a, you know, to bring in more acronyms, SASB or GRI or anything like that, you're only third-party certified if you go out and hire a separate party to evaluate you. Uh, so having a, a standardized brand, and that's the biggest problem with sustainability is how do you say what is sustainable? How do you say what is a responsible business? Everyone has a different idea. Everyone has a different idea of what's material to them, what they should be reporting, who they're trying to report to. The B certification, it is one certification. You're dealing with one entity in your country, in your state, and everyone's held up to pretty much the same level of rigor. Uh, you know, they, they do create some variances, you know, depending on your sector, what's important for an energy firm is different than what's important for a law firm in terms of sustainability and responsibility. Uh, but having one clear codified system that everyone can just recognize from a single logo is uh, really powerful uh, in terms of understanding what is a responsible business. Which I think is really important because to your point, that's really what's lacking is kind of like some standard by which people can follow but I think also to your point, because they're different parties, whether or not SASB or B Corp, like it's integrating these models and standards so that there's some collective connector, right? right. That is consistent across all of them um, over time as well. Because I think the last thing the world wants is like all these different versions of, uh, of something and no one knows who to follow or what to follow or what's the difference between one or the other and you can't compare things right that's more importantly what's that standard so that's more to come on that right we're not going to solve yeah. that in this conversation but definitely parties are working on that um how can the audience learn more about b corps and um you know look into it more what do you guys have as like resources or recommended um, events or such to be able to learn more? Well, yeah, <laughs> I think I can address that because I believe, um, you know, one of our missions is to educate because we know there's so much out there, so much information and sometimes misinformation. So we're trying to clarify some of these terms. And as you said, uh, Tracy and Sente kind of see where are the intersections? How can they all be weaved in to um, make it easier for everyone <laughs> to have a standard? <laughs> and uh, in the end, yeah, it's still, we're not there. Um, we would love for everyone to go to the highest level of commitment to doing, uh, to being socially and environmentally responsible. And the only way they can really assess on that and measure is through the certification, the assessment that they go through. But, you know, the important thing is to start somewhere uh, because I've noticed some companies have nothing in place and they want to, but they don't know where to start. So, you know, we hope to help them out um, to get there. But 
there will be more information uh, with our webinar that is uh, happening on October 5th at noon. And Tracy is going to be one of the panelists. Um, uh, do you want me to give more information about the exact uh, uh, topic, etc.? Yeah, that would be great. I think you said 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, correct? Just for everyone to have a reference in different. Correct. Episodes. So Vicente will be moderating a panel, which includes the professor of uh, global sustainable enterprise at the Johnson School of Business. Uh, that's part of Cornell University. Uh, he has actually written a book, which is amazing. I'm reading it now and really brings the history of the B-Labs and their, their journey. So there's so much great information and he'll share some of it uh, during the, um, during the, the event. Uh, besides you, uh, Tracy, there are two, uh, two other panelists now. Um, one is the uh, founder of a uh, wealth management company and the other a woman who started her own fund on, in biodiversity and all that. So these two companies are already B certified. So they'll talk about a little bit of their journey and why they decided to go in that direction. So I think you'll get to learn a lot of different things during that discussion. From the professor, his perspective, the two B Corp, and, and you, Tracy, who's been looking at it, uh, and thinking about it. So it's great. It'll be a, an interesting discussion. Yeah, and our perspective as an evaluation firm, why we think it's important. So so how do individuals sign up for it? Like, do they reach out to you directly or um, how can they learn more about the event to get the link to the webinar? We'd be happy to send them the invitation if we get their uh, email addresses, right? Okay. Would we be able to add that in the show notes for this uh, podcast perhaps? Oh, yes. And if you could, if you don't mind like sharing your email or your contact information so listeners can um, obtain it while they're listening right now, that would be great. Okay. Uh, my email is Vicente, V-I-C-E-N-T-E at c-sggroup.org. I'm putting it in the chat. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And I'll just read it for those that are listening because they can't see the chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Dion at csg-group.org as well. So it's pretty easy. Perfect. Um, or individuals can, you know, reach out directly to us at the mark um, and also be able to share the information. But just wanted listeners to have it, you know, reach out and be able to contact you directly and sign up and get that information. So really appreciate both of you taking Sorry, Tracy, you'll have the invitation. So you'll have the invitation soon. So you'll be able to share it with all of your listeners as well. You know, correct. Yes. So that'll be perfect. And but I just wanted to thank both of you for your time today, just to kind of briefly cover B Corp and B certification and kind of for our listeners to understand the relationship it might have to their own organizations or to their own lives. And um, learning more about what it is and what it can do and the value and who's involved in terms of uh, what I'll call a, a movement, but I think a significant one as uh, various parties are trying to address and come up with a solution for how we uh, measure kind of the attributes of an organization that in the past may not have had as much 
um, acknowledgement, but have always been significant in driving value, right? And so um, really appreciate you guys just sharing your thoughts and input today. So thank you both. Thank you very much for uh, having us on. You're welcome and thank you, yes, for having us on. <laughs>Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.